Welcome to East Meets West, where two journalists living on opposite sides of the country delve into the biggest talkers. I'm Christine. And I'm Cece. And today we have a special guest. Hi, my name's Tiffany. Thanks for having me. It's my sister. We are currently in Las Vegas, so closer to the West Coast today. Tell everybody where you are, though, in Las Vegas at this point in time. Like, where are you currently? Where are you recording? It is the most exciting place in Las Vegas, off the strip in my dad's closet. Closets here are like way bigger than New York apartments, that's for sure. It's a walk-in closet. I would die for this. Just to paint a picture, we are uh, sitting next to a massage bed in this walk-in closet. (laughs) And our setup's over just a bundle of blankets and pillows. What we talked about last week was we were on our way to getting shot number two on our way to this light at the end of the tunnel. I got shot number two on Easter Sunday. I'm team Pfizer, but you got yours a couple of days before, right? I got it the Wednesday before Easter Sunday. And then my sister, Tiffany, you got it a few days before that. Yeah. Tiffany got it first, then me, and then Christine. Are you Pfizer or Moderna? We're the modern family. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And how did you guys feel? I felt fine. I feel like right after I was really worried, but then I just experienced some arm soreness, but I got it at the same time as my dad, actually, because funny story, I wasn't expecting to getting my shot to get my shot that day. I was actually there to just help my dad out with paperwork, but they had an extra shot. So I was lucky enough to get it. Yeah, we were super worried about the side effects, but I just, we both experienced some soreness and went back to working out right away the next day. Moderna knocked my dad out. Like I told him, hey, shot number two, you might want to take it easy. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Then he went to work the next day. Then he comes home and he's like, I'm not feeling so good. Like, oh, really? (laughs) I pulled that out of my ass, right? That you may feel sick. And he was out for like 12 hours. But how did you feel, Cece? So the day I got it, it was 11 a.m. And I had to do a show that night. And so I was really, really worried because it was kind of a big show. Felt fine, pulled it through. And then the next morning, I felt like death. Like for some reason that night, my injection arm was sore. But then so was my right arm. So like the whole night, it was so restless and so sore that I couldn't keep it still. It was like... It was flailing all night. I had to keep moving it. I had to keep stretching it. And Bob tried to cuddle me. I was like, no, sir. No, it hurts. And my arms were just flailing like back and forth. You can't see me right now, but I was doing this. So it was, it's like the the car dealership, like, what do you call those guys? Those the like wind, those wind guys. Yeah. I was doing that in bed all night. And then the next morning, I just cold. I was shivering. I felt like throwing up. Uh, my head hurt. I was sleeping a bunch, but I had made dinner plans with these new girlfriends that I had just made. I was like, I am not, I have crazy FOMO. I am not missing out on this dinner with this group of girlfriends. So I popped, I took my bottle of Tylenol and I took an Uber to the restaurant and I was just shivering. And I was so nervous that they're, cause they took my temperature. I was nervous that they'd be like, sorry, you're fever. You can't come to dinner, but I was fine. So everyone was drinking cocktails and I had like my hot tea <laughs> The dedication. And my Tylenol. the dedication for this hangout is wild. I'd have been like, hey, sorry. But remember, we discussed this last time of how like East Coast people will ride through the pain and for the hangout. And never, all of us on the West Coast are like, uh, my shirt's wrinkled. I can't hang out tonight. 
<laughs> my ironing board's broken, so I can't come out. I had like a sore arm. Like after I got the shot, I was like, I'll be fine. And then maybe like five, eight, maybe eight hours later, and my arm was so sore. Like I couldn't even like, I, mean, I could lift it, but it was really painful. And then I got like just super tired and I had the chills and then all night I was cold Then maybe like halfway through the night I got really hot and then I had been off the week before. So I was like, well, I can't be sick then when I come back. I logged on and I worked for like maybe half a day and then I called my boss and I was like, hey, <laughs> I need to go home. <laughs> <laughs> like I need to go home sick and she works from home so yeah. she's literally sitting on her bed being I need oh to gosh. lie down I, yeah I was like hey I'm not feeling really good and then the next day I gave it one more day because the next day I had like a headache and just was like nauseous I think Wednesday I felt better like at one point in the day I was like I have all this weird energy and I'm I'm ready to like you know seize the day maybe it must be that like micro trip they put into me <laughs> Must be. My arms were flailing because of that too, for sure. So that helped by waving your hands in the air like you just don't care? That helped? No, it didn't. I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> I've never heard that symptom. Just waving my hands in the air like, hey. Well, so. And then 10 years later, I like grow an extra finger and now we find out why. <laughs> It'll definitely be interesting like years down the road. They're like, hey, that vaccine you had was bad or where it's all in our minds and it wasn't a big deal at all. I mean, with all this, we're coming toward the end kind of our life for the past 13, 14 months. Like we've talked about it, Tiffany, that I was a little nervous to go back to normal life because I got like weirdly comfortable being like a hermit. Um, <laughs> but your sister was, you're, you're, you're basically living like lightweight, normal life. I definitely am. I mean, like the fact that I can fly home to Vegas and be like, in close proximity of my family and we were eating indoors that felt great I honestly thought that was gonna be a, a hard stop where like everyone gets vaccinated it's like hard shut down and then a hard open and that transition would be really weird but honestly now I've been like easing into it and then now that I've had my second shot for two weeks now and so as my family that I don't feel as scared or nervous like even on the plane I, I was double masked and also I had my vaccine and so I didn't feel that scared before when I was flying the first time I thought I was gonna die every time someone coughed what about you Tiffany how do you feel living in New Orleans during the beginning of the pandemic I feel like the protocols and at least safety wise wasn't as strict as in California well, obviously we kept going back from like phase three back to phase two, and that would always change depending on what the statistics were for the week. But for the most part, I think we were living pretty fairly normally, like you couldn't go to bars and whatnot, but you could still eat in at some restaurants in New Orleans. And then moving here to Henderson, a suburb in Las Vegas, I feel like it was the same way as well whereas you could already dine inside at 50 percent capacity and obviously restrictions are lifting even more now with vaccinations so i really hope that listeners can differentiate my voice and my sister's voice because we sound very much alike i was gonna say you guys have the same voice still we spent yes. a lot of time apart maybe like a little bit different but no you guys have the same voice <laughs> Well, in high school, I was a senior and Tiffany was freshman. Our friends, like her friends and my friends would finally like meet each other and we'd laugh at the same time and the same laugh. And our laugh is not subtle. It's like a guffaw and cackle at the same time. <laughs> and people are just like wide eyed and they're like, what the freak? <laughs> Which makes us cackle and guffaw even harder. 
I'm not going to laugh right now because I don't want to demonstrate. <laughs> I never found your laugh to be a cackle, Cece. Now I'm going to really pay attention. This is a weird observation was that in the Bay Area, I have not laughed in a genuine way. So you're just what? fake laughing the whole time? Yeah, it's a weird, like, sad thing that I notice that I just, like, don't do, like, a belly laugh. And then, but when I'm around my sister, um, especially, I noticed this um, when we went to Italy two years ago for my birthday. And it was the hardest I've laughed in a while. And I was shocked, like, at the difference. I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, me real laughing. And it's just, it's kind of sad. Damn. I thought I was a blast. <laughs> She's been fake laughing this whole time. This whole time, the whole time. No, that sad. actually our last episode, I was laughing pretty hard when we were talking about the toenail that my sister found. That is so disturbing. Every so often, I think of that because your sister brought it up. It was about I feel like it was a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was not human. I think it was like I think it was a chicken nail or something. Oh, really? I thought he- not a human nail. <laughs> She sold it like it was a human nail. And I was just no. like, ew. And it was then, like a claw. Wait, <laughs> oh, that's even worse. Jesus Christ. No, that makes me feel better that my chicken nuggets are actually coming from chickens. Is it? That's that? true. Because I don't. I hope it was a chicken nail. After our episode, when she brought that up, every so often, I'd be just doing something not chicken nugget related. And that would pop into my mind. And I'd be like, damn, her sister had a nail. A t- I was thinking a human toenail in her. No, that's so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> like borderline cannibalism. That's Ew. what I was like. I thought maybe in my mind, like, oh, some McDonald's employee was clipping their toenails <laughs> and it somehow, <laughs> somehow got in the nugget. I don't, that's what, what like I had in my mind. I didn't think it was like you were eating a human. <laughs> I would hope not. I hope so too. Now that we've learned that CC has never genuinely laughed for the past couple of years <laughs> and we're reaching this, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, like Governor Gavin Newsom says, we may be tired of the Rona, but the Rona isn't tired of us and it doesn't take holidays and blah, blah, blah. But these past 15 months was, was something that none of us had ever experienced before. What got you guys through it? I mean, I feel really bad saying this but honestly I had like the most peaceful amazing gear and then until my eyes are rolling by the way (laughs) it was great it was a great experience the rest of us who didn't feel that way and (laughs) my life only got harder after I moved to New York and this is like the light at the end of the tunnel so you're you had the opposite effect where shit was great during the rona and now that it's over you're like this is not it also i need to do a side topic really quickly there's this girl on tiktok who who does really good (laughs) impressions of the kardashians and is that the one that goes "Mm, yeah and she does courtney and kim i just got her the other day she's so so one of them (laughs) Bob heard me watch it and and he was so confused by it and then now he loves saying it now so basically it was Kim going like I'm taking the Kanye to Wyoming and then uh, Courtney was just like are you sure that's a good idea during the panorama that seems very insensitive so there was a joke like in the beginning of all this where like people online were calling different things like a panorama like like people were thinking of different names with p yeah like my friend really was fucking up the, yeah so there was that or like don't you know we're in a pandora i'm glad that you guys know because i was gonna say that earlier and i was like they may not know this 
I felt that TikTok was uh, very relevant because it talks about how they got through the panorama. Well, watching their show, and I can go on and on about this, like of how they dealt with it. Oh, it's so hard. I'm just gonna like you have a whole your man, your home is like a regular person's like five homes and you have like a pool. You have, you have so many things. And then Kim just shipped the kids off to Wyoming. So she's in this big house, just, you know, studying for law school. And then they rent like a home in um, Palm Springs. Was it, they have, they have that. That's Chris's home. Oh, right. Yeah. And then they, the family rented a home in, so they have Chris's home in Palm Springs and the family rented a home in Malibu as like a getaway. And that's like, I've been oh, watching yeah. the, their Corona episodes and I'm just like, y'all are not like us. I think it's the first time that Kim was spending so much time with her kids. Like, remember that episode? And she was going crazy because I think she was just working so much before. And she was like, I can't handle this. And that's when she shipped them off to Wyoming. Yeah. When like Kim was trying to do that tutorial, then North came in. I mean, if I had the choice between my pandemic life and theirs, I'd choose theirs. But I was doing the most pre-pandemic, like going out, working, just doing everything where I had no time to breathe. So when it was like, oh, everything shut down and you get to work from home, I was like, oh, this is nice. Like I was able to just chill the fuck out, wear all my new loungewear because I had all this loungewear that Blue I did. Ivy. Oh no, Ivy Park. Ivy Park. Um, but just even before, like I got like an Adidas sweatsuit for Christmas and it was really cute. But I was like, I can't, we're ever going to wear this right around the house or like to catch a flight. But then when this all happened, I was like, I have the perfect outfits to wear for this occasion. So my sweatsuit game has been on point. I don't know if I can wear any of my jeans right now. The idea of wearing jeans and going back to real life, like, is giving me anxiety. Is there a timeline at all of when you're going to return or not yet? Gavin says we're all going to open up by June 15th. So we'll see. I haven't been keeping up with California's whole tiered situation since I moved. Yeah, he's saying by June 15th, like things will reopen. I mean, you're still going to have to wear probably like your mask, like the mask thing we're going to probably have for like the next year, I would assume, or at least, you know, until the beginning of 2022, according to Tony Fauci. San Francisco is now allowing indoor concerts. Baseball has started. Uh, The Warriors are allowing fans. So we'll see how it goes. It's so different because I remember, yeah, when we were covering the news in California and they have all the tiers. So for people who don't live in California, they have like the purple being the most restrictive and most shut down. And then green being on the other side of the spectrum or something like that and orange is above like a yellow and then a green yeah it was the stupidest color system first of all when I think something serious I think of red like okay red is oh you're in danger or maybe black so they had the most serious tier as purple like the friendliest fucking color then the second tier of reopening so you go purple which is terrible Red is like, so you're getting better by being in the red, which was very confusing, confusing, especially like telling my parents, hey, we're in the red. And they're like, oh, that's bad. Right. And it's like, no, I didn't make up this (laughs) color system. And then so it goes purple, red, orange, yellow, and then green is like, we're all open as business as usual. In New York, it's just there's like New York State and then there's this New York City, which has like kind of different. So if you go to like outside of New York City, they have like different things. But we're just 50 percent indoor capacity 
Broadway's going to reopen in September, I guess. Bob and I are going to go to a concert June 4th. It's an outdoor concert, though. It's Lane 8, which is more a DJ, I guess. But I, I don't even know who they are. But I was like, yes, I want the novelty of it. I want to be dancing to live music, even if it's not music I like. Yeah, I definitely miss paying like $20 just to get a beer and like a $50 piece of pizza. Like I miss that life. So Tiffany, so you kind of went through a lot this last year. Yeah, so mine's not going to be as fun of a story. I think in the beginning of the pandemic, I was I was doing okay because I had just gotten into a quarantine relationship and it wasn't like I was all alone in my apartment. So we kind of had our own routine going. And I I just want to introduce myself. I was also working in news as a reporter. So I was doing that. And then I had flown back to California to visit my friends in August. And I was going to fly back to work the next day. And I ended up getting an injury, fainting at the airport in San Diego. Things kind of changed really abruptly. My parents, um, who live in Henderson, actually drove to San Diego to pick me up and been staying with them to recover. And it was also a time in my life where I was re-evaluating where I wanted to be career-wise. I mean, obviously, changing your career path during the pandemic is really difficult. It's been challenging, but I feel like I feel like I've taken the time to work on myself in terms of self-growth because I feel like if you don't really know your worth, unemployment will really get to your head. I've just been working through that, but I'm also grateful because if I wasn't home to take that beat, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to kind of reevaluate. In the grand scheme of things, a lot of people are going through a tougher time right now. It's definitely a reset for, I find like for a lot of people, whether resetting on how you feel about just your life path in general, taking a break. I think this is definitely needed, especially for our generation of just that, what is it, that video of Lady Gaga? Club, bus, plane, club, other club. Like we were always so just, and not maybe like in that order, but everyone (laughs) is so busy with, you know, your social life. And then working in news takes a lot out of you. And then you said you were a reporter. So I could only imagine what that was like if there was breaking news or like hurricane season that to actually have this break where it's kind of the norm that so many people are taking a break and there's not, at least for me, there's not this FOMO to get you distracted from yourself, if that makes sense. At least for for me trying to just kind of relate to your situation of just taking a break and then really using this time to work on yourself, whether it is, you know, mental, physical. It definitely does because I, I was working two jobs. I was working full-time as a reporter and then also hostessing on the side. So that hamster wheel of like, oh, since I'm working so hard, I want to play hard as well. So I would work all these hours and then also go out because I'm like, well, you know, I'm not spending it. Like I should be spending some of this money to bring me joy. And I just, like you said, I just was everything about taking care of myself was put on the back burner. And so I used to have really bad FOMO too. And I always wanted to go out at least once a week. And that obviously racks up. But I think after realizing that no one could go out, I think that's really grounded me. And now I'm like, every day is kind of the same. Like, even if it's the weekend, like I'm cool with staying at home too. So I think I've definitely grown in that aspect. Mental health and people kind of re-prioritizing 
their values, their priorities was like across the board. I think everyone did it on some level. I do believe that for my sister and me, it was a huge year of transformation. It helps that I got into a really healthy relationship. And so I had an example to show me how I can handle all my emotions and how to express them in a healthy way. And so that was something that that's why I was saying that past year has been so peaceful because normally I have such a turmoil and storm inside of me that I go from anxious fight or flight and manic to I hit a wall and then I get really depressed and then I don't get out of bed for a few days. And so I have kind of moderated that to a certain extent. And from just observing on the outside of my sister, we would text every single day. We're really close. And she would tell me all these kind of self-destructive things she was doing in New Orleans. And it hurt my heart. But I also understood that she was trying to escape her own inner demons and so she was like would party hard she it just sucked like her job sucked she had toxic co-workers she wasn't making the money that she deserved people some of her friends treated her like shit like it, it was just like horrible like one thing after the other and she got so used to being treated poorly that she kind of like got gaslit into believing all these things. I remember like you would tell me how you didn't think you were pretty. You had such low self-esteem that it hurt my heart. And when she met her quarantine boyfriend, he had his host of issues, but he honestly overall was a good guy. I think he has his own issues that he had to deal with. But for a little time, I think you start the healing process a little bit with him. You being able to be like, hey, this is not good for me and walked away from the relationship was a huge growing moment because it's hard to not only did you try to change careers during the pandemic to walk away from a relationship in the middle of a pandemic. So I think that's huge. And then moving back home, you had not really like gotten along that well with our parents. I get along with them pretty well. But even with me, I struggle. I have anxiety every single time I come home. You have grown really close with them. You've grown really empathetic. You've grown really patient. Her dog helps a lot <laughs> with she the does. family. She's a great distraction from everyone's emotions. That is kind of the beauty that's come from it all because it's like I was neglecting my relationship with myself and with my parents, even though subconsciously it was always something that bothered me. So I think in a way I was supposed to come back here and mend all of that and just have the time to work on that so I do feel more at peace even though I'm still not where I want to be right now but it's like a different kind of emotion than than what I was feeling a year ago where I was always angry where I was just always just like the range of emotions were like I was like on a roller coaster after like Cece mentioned leaving someone who I loved and a career that I thought I loved it just allowed me to not hold on to things so tightly and that it was okay to let go and it opens doors for other opportunities or another chapter of my life you know I'm back into dating and it's anytime I'm not feeling like I'm treated how I know I deserve to it's easier for me to walk away than before where I was just like holding on to everything that gave me a little bit of joy that's the part that is the biggest difference and it's such a cliche but you don't understand it until you've gone through it where they say like you can't expect people to love you until you love yourself cheesy shit like that but it's so true though it really is true because I used to think it was cheesy also and then the more like certain things would come up with like bad relationships or people treating you well and then when you stand up for yourself you're like I get it because if you stand up you shut the haters down then you kind of like attract more of like your tribe it's rough to cut out people that aren't good for you especially if they're your friends or you know someone you really love and then realizing like okay you don't fit my spirit if 
you want to say that and then you know letting it go because you still like care for the person especially if you're in a bad mental state or if you're alone and you don't have another support system and this is someone that you went to with all your problems and then now that's taken away I think it's very easy to just go back to that person so it definitely takes I think a lot of strength and just knowing what you deserve so moving back or moving with your parents what kind of helps you with this time that you have what has kind of helped you get through everything that's going on I think it was finally being open to talking to well she's not really a licensed therapist but she acts as one and Cece introduced me to her and when I first moved back it was incredibly difficult because my whole life had turned upside down with everything and I was just like in a place I was not familiar with and I didn't feel like I liked so my relationship with my parents was was super awkward in the beginning it wasn't natural because we did not talk normally and we had a lot of bumps along the road because it's just getting to know each other again and something that was really interesting that my therapist spoke with me about is that when you return home you know your parents still remember you from like when you last lived with them so they still see you or treat you like you're a teenager and so that was kind of something that I had to work through and I feel like after each fight we went through and through the resolution we ended up getting closer and I will say honestly just I feel like bringing my dog back home allowed us to spend just more kind of like wholesome family time together because it was like there was something to talk about or it just ended up flowing more naturally because we were just we were focused on her but it somehow like we would go to the park together and it was just like it brought us all together more the so, common interest because you exactly. guys didn't have anything in common for a while like Tiffany wouldn't really share too much about her life with them and she was very angry when she first moved home and I had no idea how it was going to it was explosive in the beginning it kind of I think it takes one person to reach out and kind of do an act kind of an olive branch offering and it's like I would start wanting to make food for my mom or I would see that she's working so hard it's like oh I'll I'll do something to make her day a little easier and then in return it'll be you know when I'm having a bad day or I had actually freelance for a job and I lost that job and that was something I've never really shared the struggles I've been through with my parents honestly I never felt like my mom was really maternal in a sense I know she cares but she's bad at expressing it so it's like I feel like sometimes when I'm going through a hard time it just makes me feel worse when I talk to her about it but for some reason when I was able to be vulnerable and talk about my failures to my parents they were finally able to be comforting because I feel like it was just finally coming from a genuine place I think little acts like that that just kept adding up from both ends led to repairing our relationship and like when you were saying how it was like having to re-meet again it's not even that because like when you meet someone you don't have any past like preconception yeah they had a lot of assumptions about each other and they're bad assumptions and they thought the worst of each other and Tiffany will do something to avoid conflict and they will would interpret it in a really like negative way like oh she's only doing this because she's this and this and this and this and it's not even that at all and I they've come to a better understanding of each other and I think that from a place of like instead of hurt there's more love and more understanding and patience and and be more sensitive to feelings because at first I think everyone was just very callous and like you said expecting the worst of each other so they're not even we weren't even trying to understand where the other person was coming from I've had quite a past few months when yeah I mean, no definitely I feel like I've aged a lot how do you feel right now kind of up and down because I will say I was also applying to a bunch of jobs and again that was starting to affect how I felt about myself because my worth was always dependent on my 
on upon how hard I worked because being an MMJ is hard. And I was like, well, that's my identity and that is my value. I am trying to transition into a communications or PR role. And that's been very difficult during this time. And so after not hearing back or getting rejections, there are times that it does get to me because I do try to develop a routine. Like I would get, I'm like, well, I always said I didn't have time to work out when I was working. So why not do that now? Why not go take some pictures? Because that's also what I was trying to do on the side. I still try to have a routine where I'm working out, applying to jobs. I also found a mentor who was a journalist and she was able to successfully transfer to an internal communications role. So that's all been super helpful. But when every day is kind of the same, it gets hard. But I will say that these past several weeks, I'm finally starting to hear back from opportunities. I did get a little setback and I was like, you know what? When I wasn't hearing back, I did apply to two news stations here. I did hear back. I am listening to myself and knowing that I don't want to sign another other contract. And I am trying to ease my way back into things after recovering from my injury. I think I am a little uplifted about these new opportunities coming up. Applying for jobs is literally the worst. And especially like getting the email of, we regret to inform you. It's like, fuck you. Right. Okay. Get the fuck out of my email. Don't waste my time. But real quick, I do want to let everybody know when Tiffany said MMJ, that means multimedia journalist. So that means Tiffany was literally shooting her own story. You had no photographer, no camera man so you were april o'neill by yourself then you shot the story voiced it over you wrote it then you edited it and then sent it to the show so you did mmj means one man band she did everything herself and wrote the web script oh right and it, it was difficult because i went from covering fires to hurricanes and they were both equally terrifying i mean i don't regret i definitely still love the aspects of the job but storytelling was, yeah storytelling shooting video like i like all of that well you were doing all of right. that in an eight hour longer <laughs> It wasn't an eight-hour day. It could right. be like 12 I was hours. only MMJ at the station. Christine, you, I think you were always like a crazy workout fanatic even before quarantine, but I feel like I noticed it so much more because you always post your whiteboard with your reps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been told. Actually, my own family is like, stop posting your workouts. But like before the panorama, I <laughs> would go to the gym. Like I like, I like working out and I did CrossFit for a few years and I made a a great group of friends. And then I just like trying different things like berries or soul cycle or rumble. And then when the pandemic started, I was like, Oh, I guess I could do like at home workouts. So I would, my friends that do CrossFit, they would post their workouts in their IG story, but they belong to like an online gym that I didn't want to pay for. So I would screenshot their workouts and like save them in a folder. <laughs> or I would just like, I'd go on Instagram and like, or like Pinterest and like pick and choose. And I would just do it just to like, I thought, okay, we're going to be locked down till May. I'll use this time to like get my body right. I have no excuse. Well, okay. We're now still in this panorama. So then I discovered like cereal again. I would like, there's a diner not far from here and it's like a mom and pop place. I'm like, oh, let me help this small business. And I rediscovered like their hamburgers and fries. So the point is my whole goal was, okay, I'm gonna be this baddie out of quarantine hot girl summer 2021. Cause I missed it in 2020. No, I'm sorry. Hot girl summer 2022, 2020 hot girl summer 2020, because I missed it in 2019. Okay, cool. We going through it. Now we're going to go through hot girl summer 2021. And I'm like, okay, I can't outwork these bad eating habits. Like that, like being stuck at home, I would like just crave like my, the little joys I would have by going out with friends or whatever, not having that. So like me treating myself was to order takeout. 
like getting burritos from the taqueria I haven't been to in years and all that. So that was my fun. So the exercise, yeah, I'm sure everyone on Instagram thinks I'm like, I look like Kim Kardashian's trainer, but in real life, I'm not like that because of all the shit I'm eating and I'm not showing on the gram. I definitely, yeah, I just rediscovered all these snacks. And then I made, I did banana, I made banana bread, making all these things with like full fat, not on, not on some weird diet and not like, you know, having that where you have your breakfast and you rush to work and you bring your lunch to work and like really having like your fun at dinner time. That fun is 24 seven when it comes to my culinary experiences. I want to try some of that banana bread. I'm not going to lie. The Chrissy Teigen's banana bread recipe. I do not know Chrissy Teigen. She did not pay me for this, but her banana bread <laughs> recipe was so good. But don't put in the chocolate chips because I don't really care for chocolate chips in my banana bread. Everything Chrissy Teigen makes is amazing. I own two of her cookbooks and everything I've made. I've made everything in both cookbooks and it's been amazing. And it looks exactly the same as the picture. And I'm just shocked. Well, I'm not shocked because she's very heavy handed with her creams and butters. So it has to taste good. <laughs> she really um, is like the Paula Dean of our generation with like the full fat butter and the full fat milk. I'm like, I haven't had full fat in a minute. <laughs> her, I think that's why her second one is definitely healthier. The first one, every time I make something, I feel like I was going to have a heart attack, but it's so good. The first two bites. During quarantine, have any of you done any of the like baking trends? Like has anyone made bread or did you guys do any like test out your time in the kitchen at all? I will say I'm actually the opposite of your experience because I feel like I was eating out a lot more pre-pandemic because of the drunchies and just, I just felt like I didn't have enough time. But when I was working more from home, I felt like because the kitchen was so accessible, I think I was eating like smaller quantities, but more often. So it was somewhat healthier than just one whole, like the three main meals for the day. And I realized how much money I saved from not eating out as much, actually. Like we would still treat ourselves like once a week, but I was like, wow, I actually have time to cook every meal now. And then now since I'm unemployed, I've definitely been grocery shopping and making every meal at home. I have tried, I haven't done bread, but I have tried to make like Starbucks Frappuccinos, but not full fat milk with oat milk. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say- Tiffany made a great acai bowl tonight. She put it into the bowl, like a coconut bowl that she actually got from Salvo.shop. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone check it out. Sustainable shopping. I poured myself a bowl as well. And I asked her and there was like berries and, and like, it was like a topping station. Yeah. Like a topping <laughs> station, a cacao, like cacao like, nibs. Yeah, it was it. Coconut. Tiffany Tiffany does not half-ass food. It's very <laughs> important to her, especially like desserts. And so I made myself a bowl, and it it was amazing. And so I asked her, I was like, "Oh, did you?" And she had it in like the blender. And I was like, "Oh, did you blend the fruits that are already on the topping station?" She scoffed at me, and then she was, "All right, now go through the ingredients." Oh for gosh, I don't know if you guys have time for this. It sounds kind of gross, but I put it. It's amazing spinach, kale, celery, cucumbers, um, apple cider vinegar. And then I have like this frozen fruit medley of like dragon fruit and peaches and pineapples. And then I put in a frozen banana and then coconut water. And then I put in oat milk and then I put in chia seeds, hemp seeds, flax seeds, (laughs) moringa powder. I squeeze in some lemon. I think that's it. And then I blend it all. 
together. She was telling me she just like kept going and I thought she was ending and I was about to say something and she like continued with like three more yogurt too. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) What you just made in my mind last March was like, I'm going to have this healthy lifestyle and I'm just going to be just, I'm going to just shed all this weight. But I think, yeah, after a while you're like, I'm sick of eating healthy. We're in a pandemic here. Let me treat myself. And then the treats just keep on coming. But to bring it all back for working out, that is in my saving grace, especially. And then you put on a good playlist, you find a good workout. And then my sister's friend has the Peloton. And so she let us use her login. So what we did, we bought this like off-brand bin bike off Amazon. And then we used her friend's login and we were on the Peloton, like we were doing the Peloton. And that's been good too, because they have like really good mixes. And one thing I've noticed with all this is moving makes me feel better. Like moving as in like getting that workout in. Because if I would work out in the morning before work, and I noticed when I didn't do it, I would be super grouchy all day. And before, like when, before all this, I would go for a walk with coworkers or I'd go to the gym or something. And you realize like, okay, no, you have to do this for yourself because it's, this is weird. This is a weird time. I, I've always been so intrigued with Peloton because all the ads keep popping up now. And I used to love doing spin because the instructors were always so positive at 5 a.m. And it's like the music was good. So I always described it as like being up in the club, but like on a bike and I'm getting my workout in. So I, I don't know. I'm really interested in your experience with Peloton because like, it seems like you're basically having a personal, tra- I mean, I don't know if this is going to take personal trainers jobs because everyone's having to be able to do this and having instructions right at home. Two things with that. One, I've always gone to classes like the past 10 years. I've just done classes because that's what has motivated me working out on my own, like at the local 24, I would just be on the elliptical for like an hour and just listen to a good playlist and just zone out. It was I wasn't doing anything. I do well when someone is like yelling at me, but like positively yelling at me, like calls me out, but it's still really nice. But then yelling at me throughout my fitness journey, I've always kind of had trainers like that and working out on my own, just having me, you know, going to a class, you have to be there at that time and and whatnot and working out on your own. It's like, especially during this time where just you have all the time in the world, like I can work out at midnight if I want. But with Peloton, there's this instructor, his name is Alex, Alex Toussaint. And I I describe him as like, he's like DMX, RIP, not the drug part, but like his voice is very raspy and it's gruff and he's from New York, but he's like, I know you can fucking do it. Uh, What does he say? Feel good, look good, do better. But he's like, you're so great. You know, I I mean, it's just a video, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, Alex, this is is going to make me lose my mind up in here. He is like, okay, he's adorable. He's so cute. Playlists are great. So he is playing like mid 2000s bangers, like with T-Pain or 50 Cent. He had a little Wayne ride where I'm like, I don't want to get off this bike because this music is so good. I became more creative during the pandemic. I like got back into like painting and drawing a lot. Even with my other company, Salvos, like I'm doing a lot of videos and TikToks and, and whatnot. And TikTok is like, you do have to be very creative with it because it's not just filming something and putting it on like kind of like an IG story. You have to edit it. You have to put music to it to make it like candid, but also produced. It's like a, a really hard tone to like strike. I'm trying to do it every single day and it's it's been really rewarding and I like being creative th- like this. Did, any, did anyone binge watch any shows? Oh, all the shows. I what think it started was... with Shit's Creek. Okay. Of course. Yes. Classic. And then I think Cece put me on Queen's Gambit. Oh, and I finally watched Superstore was I've always been curious about because I always see the memes of Mateo and then I finally watched it. And it was so funny because it just 
all the characters reminded me so much of like my coworkers too. And I'm like, I really liked it. But I think at the end of each series, like, I don't know if you guys get so attached that it's like, I needed like a grieving period before I start something else. Cause I'm like, I'm just not ready yet. I realized I had that because, so I got into, I did Shit's Creek. Like, so me and my friends, we call it like, Season one of quarantine is when we all watch Tiger King. So season one of quarantine, I watched Tiger King and Better Call Saul. Like there were a lot of shows that I never really just, I would see them, but I never got into them because I didn't have the time and I just didn't, it was a commitment. So I liked Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul was around and I never made time for it. And I was like, well, now's the time. I watched The Sopranos. Like I was taking it back. I'm like, what are some (laughs) TV shows that I've been meaning to watch. And now I can watch. I watched The Sopranos. I watched The Wire. I got into Dexter. After The Sopranos, I was like, damn, I really miss Tony Soprano. Dexter, I remember after finishing the show and being like, I miss Dexter. And then having like a little bit of a grieving period where I was like, I need a new show to watch. Then that's how I went from Dexter to Emily in Paris. Oh, watch that too. I think I put I, CC on it. I watched, yeah. I got a lot of shade from my friends for watching it. Okay, but I, she's an idiot, right? <laughs> yeah. Just and then there was like, like this other version that Tastemade kept pushing of Alice in Paris and how it's so much better because it's all about food. But it was just like these weird little shorts. Like it was so quirky and it was like each episode was like three minutes long. So I couldn't, I just, it was hard to get into. I never heard I would that. not recommend it. And then I got into Entourage. I literally, I, I totally feel you though. You like, really went back. I went back because I was like, these are things I meant to watch. So watching Entourage and then I remember after being like, man, I really miss like, like Johnny drama, like all the characters. I'm like, oh, I miss Turtle. Like, what are these actors up to now? Like, I miss these people. Now I'm on to Bridgerton. I watched Bridgerton. That's good. I'm kind of indifferent right now. I think, I mean, I'm four or five episodes in. I'm not really into like this whole period piece thing and like old English. Like <laughs> you can't be on your phone while watching the show because you're going to miss shit. So there's that. Mm. I know people really love it. Like some of our coworkers and some of my friends were like, oh, Bridgerton. I mean, the, the main guy is like super hot. Duke, what is it? Duke of Hastings, but he's not going to be in the second season. Yeah. So there's that. And two, I was just, I don't know. I haven't been like taken aback. I mean, the sex scenes are, are wild. There, yeah. There's something else. The sex scenes were redeeming it was kind of it reminded me of game of thrones first hot second but i didn't i was not that crazy about it either you know you're crazy about it when you like keep thinking about it and you can't wait to watch the next episode i would go like weeks where i'm like oh shoot i was watching that show i guess i should continue it i haven't done the game of thrones thing yet but oh I feel like wait do i need to well or- okay I, I haven't watched that either i know a lot of people come at me for that but have you watched insecure because i yes I watched Lisa, it when it was on. I mean, yes, I watched it when it was when it was just on. Like I would tune in on Sundays. I loved it. First season, I feel like they were still kind of like getting their footing. And I think I feel like second season, like maybe they got more money because production went like way up, I feel. But it just gives you a really L.A. feel, which I mean, I'm from L.A., so I really missed it a lot. But I, I like that. And then I watched I May Destroy You because I don't yes. know if you've heard about like that up against Emily and Paris. And everyone yes. was all upset that Emily and Paris got nominated. So I you watched watch. I May Destroy You too? I did. Which was what did you um, think? I really want to know. I thought it was, I mean, it's definitely better than Emily in Paris, first of all. It's a good show. It was not, I feel like for me, I think when I'm, I kind of like eating while watching shows, but it was so intense and like there was so much trauma in every episode, which I feel like is important, but I couldn't, it was not something I could just eat dinner and watch. It was- so intense and it was just tra- traumatic drama. 
where it was like, damn. But I think it's also like an important conversation to have because there were so many, I think each episode talked about like different types of like sexual assault or like non-consent, but there were so many that I think you would feel like it's in a gray area, but you know, it was kind of like a learning lesson about how many varieties I guess there is well yeah every after every episode I would kind of read up on like okay what is this show again and why does everyone like it and then it breaking it down like I may destroy you is basically a show about consent then yes no I thought it was a good show I did do understand why everyone thought it felt like it should have been nominated over Emily in Paris I could see that Cece you're gonna have to watch it and let us know what you think I need to log into HBO all right I'll give you mine which is also my friend's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, what i'm watching right now is white tiger by the way christine i saw actually i saw that i saw that too in season i don't know six of quarantine with priyanka Ch- what would you think of the movie tiffany do you know about white tiger Mm-mm. it has priyanka chopra in it um and it talks about uh it, it's in it's based in india and there there's like the different um caste systems mm-hmm. and and so there's this guy who comes from like the the really poor caste and they're like bred to to be servants and then he ends up kind of being a servant to someone really really rich and then i'm still like 15 minutes out from like finishing the whole movie because i was trying oh, to watch a movie on, not a show mm-hmm, i was trying to watch it on the plane and then they shut off my wi-fi <laughs> that's another thing about the pan it's like i've been watching a lot more documentaries and it's like like one of them that I randomly watched was about the cast system. Damn, was- you're really using your quarantine to like learn things. I think the only <laughs> documentary I watched was okay, Tiger King. If that's a documentary, <laughs> I watched the the Woody Allen one, which was oh my gosh, which I was very disturbing. Well, oh, I, mean, I, I did, like, the whole Michael Jordan thing. I did no social mm-hmm. dilemma. I still haven't watched that yet. I have to watch it. Uh-oh. But you did right. I watched after you, know. you told me to. Oh, right. I actually got rid of my Instagram after watching it because I just wanted to see whether, you know, how it affects how my brain functions. And it's still inactive right now. Do you feel good? When I had, I think you don't realize, but it's like, I just felt this need to like post everything I was eating or yeah. every little hangout I was doing, even though when I'm looking through, like, I don't really care. Like everyone's doing the same hangout. So I'm like, but it felt like I needed to update, you know, my all 700 followers and I think after this, it's just kind of been a relief where it's like all these pictures are kind of just for myself and I'm just enjoying things in the moment more. Um, and it's definitely, I do feel like it saved me time because it's like I have more time to read now and do other things. And I'm not just like, I also felt like it was during a time when you're just seeing, I think, well, it depends on who you follow, I guess. But with the influencers, I was just seeing like all the same posts or like the same flat tummy tees and like whatever. And I'm like, it just felt like my feed was flooded with all these like infomercials I didn't really care for. Yeah, I've been meaning to see that documentary because Cece, you told me to check it out. Yeah, it's definitely over dramatized, like literally. I think most of the things we already know, but it's just cool to hear from like these higher up tech people, tech experts. Bob refuses to watch it because he's like okay because um the main guy who's who's kind of pushing this agenda is is someone that uh bob and his friend had 
or his friend had his best friend had worked for before and so for him bob the, being in the tech world thinks it's bullshit that he goes and makes all this money at google and then after making the money leaves was it google that he works for yeah, yeah. And, and and then leaves and be like oh guys look at all the shit that i did you know like no we should not be doing this and so bob like i told i i gave him the the lowdown after i watched it because he refused to watch it so i told him everything and he's just like rolling his eyes he's like he's like this is so stupid wait so then i'm curious since he did i don't know if he worked with him during that time but he was saying how he had alerted you know everyone how big of an addiction social media was can bob affirm that he did make those efforts to notify the company i don't think bob knew because this is like bob's best friend oh okay so before we head out any life lessons you guys have learned i know we've kind of talked about it but anything that you have learned during the panorama that you want to like okay this is what i'm gonna live by when this is all over i'm gonna change this about myself or I've learned this about myself and I want to use this moving forward I think for me it would be prioritizing taking care of myself trying to find that work-life balance and being okay with being by yourself with yourself because I think obviously everyone has been experiencing that and not having as close of a contact with their friends so just being really diving deep finding your passions and being okay with yourself and taking care of yourself. The one thing I learned during the pandemic was boundaries and and being able to make the boundaries and test them out and say no to certain things. And I think it got easier when uh, Bob and I had a more restrictive uh, like pandemic uh, rules versus our friends. And because it had to do with life or death, we were able to be like, forget FOMO. We're not going to this party. We're not going to eat indoors. If you want to hang out with us, we are always down, but you got to do it by our rules. And it was very uncomfortable with his family. His family was like, why are you guys doing this with our friends? Especially when we went down to SoCal and everyone acted like COVID wasn't a thing. It was really hard to not be the life of the party like we usually are and just had to say no and do and then it ended up being fine no one thought we were losers like if anything they respected us more we never got covid you know and now we can it showed me the healthy ways of making boundaries and listening to my gut that's my biggest life lesson i agree with all the points you guys have made you know definitely self-care has been a big one and now just kind of I feel because I've been so used to lying low, being more choosy with my time and not spreading myself too thin. And also the idea of going out and like doing what I did before sounds so exhausting. I think for valuable lessons, this has definitely just showed me the importance of family and friends, especially that's what has gotten me through this. And sounds like you guys as well, just realizing like how important those ties are and how important certain people are. And so like building on that instead of like wasting time on people that you could just go to like the bar with or bullshit with and things like that. Okay, well, that wraps up our Panorama episode. Catch us next week. Thanks so much, Tiffany, for joining us. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. We try. And be sure to like and subscribe EMW East Meets West on your favorite platform to listen to your podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.